two very powerful words, words that Jesus uses over and over again in his ministry. And John strategically or very intentionally records Jesus using these words to describe himself in a number of different ways that you just saw on the screen. And and the, the significance of I am is that when God revealed himself to Moses in the Old Testament, and Moses said, oh, what is your name? What do I tell people about you? Who sent me? God said to Moses, tell them I am has sent you. I am that I am. And in Hebrew, it's just four letters, no vowels. And all through history, the Jewish people felt that that name was so honorable, so high and revered, they didn't want to mess it up and say it wrongly. So they would say Lord instead of Yahweh or Y-H-W-H. We don't know exactly how to pronounce it, and they didn't either. So they would just use the word Lord for it. But when it comes to the New Testament, as Jesus is speaking, when he says these words, I am, he's, he's making reference back to the Old Testament character, the name of God, saying, I am, I am. I am before Abraham was even born. I am eternal. I am powerful. I am the center of the whole universe, and I should be the center of your life. And so we've been looking at these um, word pictures that Jesus uses, and I love how John captures so many of them because they really illuminate our eyes into seeing who Jesus is in, in a greater way. So I am the bread of life was week number, number two in this series. I am the bread of life, and that was about Jesus satisfying us. <laughs> Nothing that, that just tastes as good as a, uh, some nice warm bread, slapping some butter on it. It's just satisfying. Well, Jesus satisfies. Last week, Pastor Sam you know, just did a great job of reminding us that when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, it means that he, he, he sees reality. He sees truth and invites us to come into the light so that we can be seen for who we really are. And there's nothing we have to be afraid of, nothing we have to be ashamed of because he already knows what's going on in their lives. It's just that we need to confess it. We need to admit it. And when we do, there's freedom there's freedom. He doesn't expose us to shame us. He exposes us so he can deal with the sin in our lives. Well, today we're looking at the third symbol in the book of John. And this is where Jesus says in John chapter 10, 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Some of your Bibles may say, I am the door. The gate or the door. Very very similar. Uh, Doors and gates are used for, for entrance. They're used for closure. They're used to keep things in, keep things out. Now, as adults, we use a lot of doors. We go to work, we go through a door. We go to school, we go through doors. We have a locker door. We have car doors. But when we're dealing with animals or maybe even young children, we deal a lot with gates. We have a horse, and we have a horse gate. And we have a gate that we keep in the house to keep the dogs from going into certain places. When our kids were little, we used that very same gate to keep the kids from going into certain places, like the stairway. You know, gates, but they're very similar. They're points of access and points of entrance. And what Jesus is pointing out very simply here is Jesus gives us access. Now, I was, um, I was out in old Colorado City a few years ago, and I was driving back from getting a haircut, and I came across this very interesting place. Now, I, I got lost, actually, and I ended up in this dead end. It wasn't a cul-de-sac, but just kind of a dead end. I was turning my vehicle around, and I noticed off to the left, there was a sign on this very um, green area, a lot of vines and things around, but there was a little gate, and over the the top of it, it said, The Secret Garden. I said, wow, I I remember there's a a book about that. I never read it and never watched the movie, but that's kind of cool. Wonder, Wonder what's behind the gate. So I parked my car, went over there, and the gate was unlocked. So I enter into this place, and it was like a a paradise. I mean, there's, there's greenery all around. There's flowing water. You can hear the trickle of the water, little fountains, little, little streams, 
flowers and shrubs, and I said, this is, an, this is a fantastic little place, and winding pathways, and I came out to this opening, and there's a little building here, and a pavilion, some open areas, and I said, wow, this would make a great place for a wedding. Well, I, what I found out was that is a wedding site. Have any of you ever seen the secret garden? See, most of you don't even know about it because it's secret. I never knew it was there. I lived here like 10 years. I've done weddings, and I, and I finally did a wedding at the secret garden. But, you know, it reminded me when Jesus says, I am the gate, of what lies beyond the gate. The beauty that lies beyond the gate. There is beauty beyond the gate of Christ. And Jesus is the access to the most beautiful life you could ever want. The most beautiful life you could ever have is found on the other side of the gate. You know, many of us don't go there for a number of reasons. One, we're afraid. We're afraid of what's beyond the gate. We don't know what's back there. I didn't know it was beyond the gate until I actually went through the gate. We don't know what's on the other side of the gate. And if I give my life to Jesus, if I follow Christ, if I become a Christian, what's on the other side? It sounds kind of messy. It sounds constricting. It sounds difficult. I don't think I can live up to it, so I'm going to stay on this side of the gate. Some of us are just ignorant. We, never knew there, we didn't even know there's a gate. Nobody told us about the gate. And I never knew. I grew up in a church my whole life. I didn't know there was a gate until I was 16 years of age, that there was a gate that I had to actually pass through, that I actually had to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior to get to the other side of the gate, to the beautiful life that God had in store. Some of us have been misled. We've been told false things about what's on the other side of the gate. And so we're confused. We really don't know what's there and what to expect, and so we stay on this side. And see, some of us have just settled for life on this side of the gate, thinking, I, I, I guess I'm okay. It's, it's, I wouldn't say my life is thrilling and awesome, but it's okay. And I just want to ask you, are you okay with an okay life? When, when God says, I've got so much more for you, you're going to change when you get older, son. <laughs> You will change. Wait till you see what's on the other side of the gate. Don't be okay with being okay. Don't be a settler. Don't just settle here and say, you know, it's, it's, it, I mean, it's not that bad and it's okay when Jesus says, I've got so much more for you. See, I really believe that many of you in this room today are saying, Pastor, I, my life is okay. It's not great. It, it, it's not beautiful and awesome and something to brag about, it's okay. I want to say Jesus has more for you. He really does. And I want to pray for you today. And I actually want you to pray too, and that you would open up your heart to what God has to give you. Because I have a feeling some of you are going to get a glimpse today on what's on the other side of the gate in a new way. So Father, we come before you asking you to bless us as we open up your word. Speak to us through the truth of what Jesus says in this passage, Father. And I really pray, Lord, that some would cross through the gate today, from the old life to a new life, through Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. I'm going to start reading in John chapter 10, first 10 verses. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So Jesus continues. Therefore, he said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. 
All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. There's several things I want to point out about this passage. One has to do with the shepherd, one has to do with the sheep, and one has to do with what the shepherd wants to give the sheep. So let's look at the shepherd. No one cares for you more than Jesus. No one will ever care for you more than Jesus does. Jesus starts off this passage saying, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees. And what he's doing is he's continuing a conversation with them that began in chapter 9. Now, I'm going to take you back a little bit to last week's message. If you want to catch last week's message, you can go on our website or download our app and listen to it. But, but Pastor Sam read the passage where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever walks in darkness will, will not find the light of life, but whoever comes to Christ will enter into this new place, this new place of life. And so something happened in John chapter 9 that actually dramatically um, picture what Jesus meant by this. There was a man who was born blind, and people thought he was blind because either he sinned or his parents sinned. It was some punishment from God. But Jesus says, no, no, he was blind from birth because God wanted to reveal himself to this man and to get glory for what God was about to do. So when, when this man was before Jesus, Jesus spit in the dirt, made some mud, pushed it on his eyes. Seems kind of cruel, doesn't it? Put mud in someone's eyes. But then it said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So this man goes over, he washes his, 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 the dirt out of his eyes, and for the first time in his life, he can see. And it, it, is, it is phenomenal. He is so excited. He's telling everyone. And this man, he used to just hold his hand out to beg, now is seeing. And people said, what just happened? Who did this to you? And he goes, I don't know, but this man put mud in my eyes. That man called Jesus and told me to wash it. And now I can see. And so the religious leaders got all upset about it. Rather than excited about what God had done, they said, hey, this happened on the Sabbath, right? You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. Shame on him. That guy can't be from God. And they began to quiz this man, quiz his parents, thinking, now, was he really blind? Because, you know, this, you're, you're claiming a miracle. So maybe he really wasn't blind, or maybe that's not his son. And the parents were afraid of, they might say the wrong thing and get put out of church. So they said, you know what? We're done answering questions. You need to talk to our son. So they went back to this guy and said, okay, tell us, what happened? And the guy said, I told you before. The guy put mud in my eyes, washed it, and, 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 I, and I can see it. And I, I don't know a lot about this guy. I don't know his background. I don't know anything. All I know is this. Once I was blind, but now I see. And the Pharisees, rather than give glory to God, were looking for ways to attack Jesus. Rather than celebrate that this man had, had come to to realization, not only physically that he could see, but spiritually that Jesus was the Christ. In fact, when Jesus met him privately, the man says, I believe that you are the Son of God. And he made a statement of faith that was far beyond what the Pharisees could ever do. And Jesus makes this very interesting statement to the Pharisees. He says, the Pharisees are the religious leaders. He says to them, this man was blind, but now he can see. He meant that physically, he meant that spiritually. But you, though seeing, are blind. And sometimes those who have the most eyesight are the most spiritually blind. And so Jesus says, verily or very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, if you do not enter the sheep gate appropriately, you're not proving yourself to be a genuine shepherd of the people. 
And Jesus says, in a sense, you guys are climbing over the fence. You're coming in through the back door. You're not coming in the right way. God is not blessing what you're doing. Now, to to picture for you dads what this is like, because this will be very vivid, to understand what it's like when you come in the wrong way. If you have a daughter that's a teenager, and there's a boy that wants to date your daughter, and he comes to the back door or the window, what are you going to think about that guy? You're not going to respect him. You're going to keep him far away from your girl. But the boy who comes and knocks on the front door and comes in the proper way, that's the guy I'm going to give respect to. And what Jesus is saying to these religious leaders is, you guys don't come in the right way. You don't come in the legitimate way. You are coming in the side door. You're coming in over the fence. And that's the way robbers enter. That's the way thieves enter. They don't come in through the front door. They come in through the side or the back. That's what you're doing. And you know what thieves are? In fact, he calls them thieves and robbers twice. They're takers. They're takers. They don't care about their victims. They don't care about your jewelry, that you, that you were given that jewelry by your husband or, or by a beloved ancestor. They don't care about the job and the things that you've earned, the things you've bought. All they care about is you're a resource for them, and they will use you and abuse you. Jesus says to them, you guys are thieves and you're robbers because all you care about is yourselves and taking from those people. See, when they had followers that followed these Pharisees, these people would look up in awe, like, oh, man, you guys are so religious. You are so good. I wish I could be, be a follower of God like you. And they said, well, well, you can't. You know, we're on another plane. And, and, and they lived off the adoration and the glory others had to give. They manipulated other people. Jesus isn't like that. Jesus is legitimate and that he came through the right way. Jesus fulfilled Scripture Jesus was never, never hesitant to say, I am who God sent me to be. I am doing what God sent me to do. He was very direct in about what he was doing for the people. Jesus is a shepherd. And we're going to talk more about that next week. But he's a shepherd that cares for his sheep. That's why of all the titles for Jesus, all the images of who he is, to me one of the most endearing is that he's a shepherd. David in Psalm 23 says this, The Lord is my shepherd. Now notice this. The Lord is in all caps. If you were here a couple, three weeks ago, I told you, when you find the word Lord in all caps in your Bible, that is the, the Hebrew four-letter word called the tetragrammaton. It's a four-letter word for the name of God. The one that, that means I am. So what this is saying is the I am is my shepherd. And we're going to find out next week that Jesus is the shepherd. He's the good shepherd. And he loves us and cares for us. Not only is he the shepherd, we are his sheep. Psalm 95, verse 7. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. So we learned about the shepherd. What about the sheep? Well, no one resembles you or me more than sheep. About a month ago, a good friend of mine in the church he and I went to Washington, D.C. to watch the Big Ten basketball tournament. I'd never seen live college basketball, so I was excited to watch this. And my team, the Wisconsin Badgers, were playing. His team, the Michigan Wolverines, were playing. We watched all, the, all these games during the tournament. And what I love about college um, sports is, you know, I love the enthusiasm. I love the band. The cheerleaders are all excited. But I also love the mascots. And so we had the, some of these teams brought their mascots. And I have to tell you, some of the mascots... Um, have a lot to be desired, like, like Maryland. Maryland. Maryland Terrapins, their mascot is a turtle. And so I had this guy wander out like this in a turtle costume, and it, it just didn't elicit this feeling of, let's go beat them, let's go, they don't fight. 
You know, it's a turtle. Come on. Turtles are pokey. Turtles are shy. They're always pulling their head in their shell. Come on. Uh, Who wants to be like a turtle? Unless you're a teenage turtle that's mutant and no ninja (laughs) skills. Then it's a cool turtle, right? If we were the teenage mutant ninja turtles, that'd be different. But no, this is just a plain old, just a plain old turtle. Wisconsin has a badger. Badgers are nasty little creatures. They are feisty. They will fight to the death. They will fight creatures bigger than them. They'll take on bears. I mean, I mean, badgers are fierce. Wisconsin badgers, yeah. And, and, and my friend's team was the Michigan Wolverines, and Wolverines are a lot like badgers. Not as tough, I don't think. But they're, they're, they're nasty <laughs> like them as well. I mean, if God wanted to pick an animal that would say, hey, you are the badgers. You go, yeah, I could do that. You are the eagles. Mm, yeah, eagles, majestic, powerful, awesome eagles. Um, you're the horse. Yeah, the, the, the gait and the stride, the, you know, the horses are powerful. No, he says, you are, you're like sheep. I just want you to know, it's not a compliment. I mean, if you ever see sheep running, it's not because they're charging after prey. They are running from someone. They are scared little things. And that's why when you think of sheep, I mean, here's a picture of a lamb. Look at that. Yeah, right? Go lambs. Go lambs. Go out there on the battlefield, win the game, you know. You know, the Denver lambs. I mean, it doesn't do it, does it? Lambs. I mean, there's actually a, a mattress company that has a mascot as lamb. I think this captures it really well. <laughs> that's who we are. You're sheep. He says, you're like sheep. You guys need some help. I don't want to offend anybody, but sheep are some of the the, the dumbest, most fearful creatures on the earth. My wife likes watching these animal videos, and there's there's some that have sheep in it that just go, (laughs) they're just buying back and forth. That's all they do? That's, that's, that's That's their value? To us, I mean, we get some wool from them, and that's pretty good, but man, sheep. So here's some um, characteristics about sheep that I think are very characteristic of us. For one, they're prone to wandering. They're wandering. Sheep are wanderers. You know, you can, you can have sheep in a pasture, and they're all feeding, but the shepherd always has to keep his eye out because one silly lamb will wander off. You, think, you got plenty of stuff right here. No, they want to see what's on the other side of the hill or down in the creek. And so the, the shepherd's always going like this, counting the sheep to see if one's missing. If one's missing, remember Jesus' story? He leaves the 99 behind to go after the one. Sheep are prone to wander. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, it says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Secondly, sheep are fearful. Sheep are very fearful. They are easily agitated. There's a, a pastor, author named Philip Keller, Philip wrote a book called A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. And the reason he wrote it with that title is for eight years of his life as a young man, he lived in the plains of East Africa and served as a shepherd. Had his own sheep. He knew very intimately the stories that Jesus told because he, he himself was a shepherd. One of the things he noticed about his sheep is they were, they were very restless. If there was any animal around, they would get very fearful. In fact, one, one time a friend came to see him and the friend brought a little, just a little tiny dog. You know those little yappers? The big dogs don't bark as much, but the little ones, like, bark, 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 bark. You know, this little one just barking away. And you know what the sheep did? They just scattered. 
Sheep are ten times bigger than this little yapper dog, and they just scatter because they're fearful. They're just by nature very fearful creatures, always concerned. And if it's not the bugs, if it's not the wolves, it's not the weather, you know, they're just always something that makes them agitated. That's why we'll look at it next week. But when, when the 23rd Psalm says that he makes me to lie down in green pastures, that is a very profound statement because sheep have to feel totally safe to lay down because they're always afraid of something. Get ready to run because something's going to come to, to, to cause us to fear. They're also very vulnerable. Sheep cannot survive on their own. They're defenseless. I mean, just think about that. You, there are a lot of animals. You, you, you corner a grizzly bear, man, you're in trouble. The claws come out, heavy breathing. You get a dog, you know, you get animals that start digging in like this. Man, and, but what do, the, what do the sheep do when they're cornered? <laughs> and so when a sheep gets isolated somewhere, when a, when a sheep wanders off and, and gets by themselves, well, do you know what you call a, a lamb that's off, isolated by itself? A tasty snack. Because some animal is going to kill that thing. Because it can't fight. What's, what's it going to do? Pull the wool over its eyes? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they don't have claws or bark or anything. They can't even run fast. They're just defenseless. And, and then finally, they're very helpless. They're so helpless. They've got to be led to their food. They've got to be protected and cared for. Now, sheep are, are, are very productive in what they give, but they've got to have a shepherd that takes care of them. And that's the whole point. That's what Jesus calls a sheep. You can't make it without me. That's a difficult world out there. It's a scary place. There are predators out there. You need a shepherd, and I am the shepherd, and you are the sheep. You know, what's interesting is he says that the shepherd um, speaks, and they know his voice. They know his voice, and they follow. Sheep are like, I'd say like a dog. You know, if you call your dog, I call my dog. My dog knows my voice. will come. And sometimes shepherds would converge and meet together for lunch or just to talk when they're out in pastures. And, and you get this huge flock, I mean, combined flock of sheep. And you think, how are you going to separate one from the other? Because they, they kind of look alike. And they do it by this, their voice. As they, as they walk away and call their sheep, the sheep will know that voice and they will follow. And so the shepherd cares for them. The shepherd loves them and they know that. And they know they can trust him. You can trust Jesus. We are silly, vulnerable, fearful, helpless little lambs. I know that doesn't sound very complimentary, but I didn't make up the mascot. Jesus did. But he is the shepherd. But here's what he does for the shepherd. He gives us life. And here's point number three. No experience will fulfill you more than the abundant life that has to give. If you remember back a couple weeks ago when I did the message on the bread of life, I said there's actually two words used in the Bible for life. One of those it's called bios. Bios is from what we get the word biology. It refers to the physical life. And we have things that we must um, consume or do in order to have bios life. Food, water, shelter, you know, that kind of stuff. That's required for bios life. That's existence. But, but when Jesus speaks about life, he's using a different word. It's called zoe. It means a life that is more fulfilling. A life that is deeper. A life that is spiritual. And John uses this word a few dozen times in his gospel. It starts with chapter 1 where he says, in him, in Jesus, was life. 
Probably the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's what he's speaking of. Not, not just a life that has a quantity of endless years, but it's a quality of life. And so John writes specifically to get us to believe that Jesus is who he, who he said he was, but more than that, so that we could actually have the life that he wants to give us. So John chapter 20, John summarized the purpose of this book. There are a lot of different things he could have written in his gospel, but he says, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have what? Life, zoe, in his name. He wants us to have life. So his life is, the life that he offers has so many benefits. This is what's on the other side of the gate. When you come through the gate of Christ, here's what's on the other side. First, security. Security. He says, whoever enters through the gate will be saved or kept safe. There is security. He takes us and he saves us. There's, a, there's an image there in um, shepherding that when, when shepherds would take their flocks out into the, the fields, out into areas that they weren't very familiar with, and they needed to put them down for the night, what they would do is take rocks, and they would build a, a small wall, and they would bring their sheep into that enclosed area, and they'd have one opening that the sheep go in and out of. And at night, when it was time for them to lay down and sleep, the shepherd himself would actually get down, and he would sit in the doorway like this. His body would be the door. Nobody could enter in or go out except over his body. And so when Jesus says, I am the gate or I am the door, there is a sense that literally he was the door. Nobody gets in except over his dead body because Jesus laid his life down for his sheep. And so he gives us the security to know that when we are in him, we are safe. He gives us freedom. He says, my sheep will come in and go out and find pasture. This idea of going in and out is not like they're going in, of, in Christ and out of Christ, like they lost their salvation, they've come back. No, it means the freedom you have. That you can be in church in a place like this, and then you can go out into the world. And guess where the shepherd is? He is still with you. You can go out. You can pursue the greater things that he has for you and know that he is with you. Just like a lamb that goes out in a pasture and romps around. Says, there's a big world out there. Enjoy it. And God says, there's a big world out there. Get out there. Experience it. Now, I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about the good things. Experience the life. Meet the people. It's a beautiful life that I've given you. When our children are real young, we keep them behind gates and we close doors. We say, you don't go outside because it's dangerous out there. But there comes a time where we start saying, I want my children to feel the freedom to go in and out. And that's what God wants for his children. He's, he, did, he doesn't bring you into a relationship to confine you, but to free you to experience the better life. And then there is Abundance. Abundance. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Some of your Bibles say it in a way that I like even better. Um, I have come that they may have life more abundantly. More abundantly. More joy. More peace. More contentment. More friendship. All these things he offers us through Christ. You know, I read a very disturbing article this week. I'm not into smoking pot. I'm not into painkillers, all that kind of stuff. But you know what? I, I, I read this article that said that the, the painkiller epidemic, the opioid epidemic in our culture is worse than the heroin epidemic of the 1960s because this epidemic has crossed all kind of racial and age brackets. 
In fact, it's more of a white person's addiction than any other minority. And what it is, is, is we're addicted to Oxycontin and fentanyl and all kinds of painkillers to deal with the, the issues in our lives. Do you know that some states have actually more prescriptions for painkillers than there are people? And it's becoming a big health crisis in our culture. And I wonder how many people in our culture have said, I've got to find something more to cope with life. I've got to find something. If it's not pornography, it's not going to be sex. If it's not drugs, then what is it? What is it that will help me feel like there's something better to life? And I'm telling you, it's Jesus. Jesus is the, the gateway to a better life, to the best life you could ever have. In Romans chapter 5, verse 2, it says, we have access to this grace by faith. We have access by faith into the grace by which we now stand. Trusting in Christ is, is the way to get through the gate to what God has to offer you. That's why Jesus said, whoever enters through me. I know there's a big debate in our culture about this wall that the government wants to build south of us, but, but you need to know this. The wall is meant to keep out the thieves and robbers. There are doors in the wall, legitimate entry points. It's to push people to the legitimate entry point. God sometimes will block your pathway, give you disappointment, put up a wall in your life because he's trying to drive you to the one place of legitimate entry into the life he has to give. You will only find it through Christ. He says, whoever enters through me, that's an invitation, isn't it? Whoever, whoever, whoever enters through me will be saved. I knew a couple that was given a, a place to stay for a few days. It, it was up in the mountains. It was, it was a, a, a nice hotel room or, or condo. And they went up there, and there's the, the kitchen area and, and refrigerator and TV and cable and all this kind of stuff. They had a really good time. That's pretty cool. It's a nice place, better than our, than our house, and we really enjoyed this. Well, they were there for several days, and then they... Um, they decided to do something right before they left. They're getting ready to leave, and, and there's a door. And if you know, sometimes hotel room doors have a door between your hotel room and the one next to it. And they just happened to go over there and turn the door handle and found it was open. They thought, well, that's kind of interesting. Let's see what's on the other side. And they opened it up, and it wasn't a, a door to the other side. It was a door to a master bedroom with a great big king-sized bed and a jacuzzi hot tub. And the whole time they were living on this, in this limited space, that was available to them. But here's the point. All they needed to do was walk through that door. All they had to do was walk through to something much bigger, much better. You know, it's as simple as that. For some of you today, you need to know that. The pathway to the bigger, better life that God planned for you is to come to Jesus. He is the gate. He is the only entry point but he is access. That's what he's trying to tell us. I am the way to get to that abundant life. I am the way to get to what you're really searching for. It's not over here. It's not over there. It's not what they're telling you. It's as simple as this. Believe who I am and trust in me. And so I'm asking you, for, the, for those of you in this place, don't settle for the less than better life that he has. Go through the door to the wonderful, awesome, beautiful life he has to give. It's only found through Jesus, and he offers it to you today. Today you can come up. Picture these aisles like doorways. Come today, step through by faith into the life I have.